0: Merry Christmas, church family. I can't believe it's already Christmas time. And here we go, diving into this amazing season of the year. Uh, We're going to have a fun time over these next few weeks as we explore the Word of God, as we continue discovering who God is, especially around the birth of Jesus Christ. Hey, a couple of things I want you to do. First is this. uh, i got a question for you. It's an important question. Uh, and I want you to answer in the chat or in the comment section, ham, turkey, or roast beef that 's the question out of those three, which is your go to for your Christmas day dinner? Ham, turkey. Or roast beef love to hear what what the tradition is in your home each week we're gonna have a different question I'm gonna post to you uh, so get ready for that Uh, next Sunday I'll announce based on the the responses in the chat which is the winner Uh, so look forward to that here's the other thing I'd love for you to do Uh, Over these next few weeks, and uh, this week if possible, would you take a short video of you and your family, uh, dress up in your Christmas sweaters or maybe in front of your Christmas tree, and and would you send that video to us and just simply do this. Would you just say, Merry Christmas from, and then say your, your names or say your last name, and then tell us where you are. So like for my family, it would be, Merry Christmas from the Mulocks in Glendora. Uh, and if you would send that video to mail at thriveglendora.org uh, over these next few weeks, we're going to include as many of those videos as possible in our services. In fact, we'll we'll include all every video that we receive, because we'd love to see your faces. Uh, And and especially in this time that we're not able to be together in person, I I feel like, well, this might be the next best thing. And we'd just love to see your holiday, shiny, happy faces. So send those videos in, and we'll include them in our service. Uh, A few years ago, I did something during our Christmas uh, series of messages that I wanted to revisit this year it was kind of a fun uh, a fun tradition um, and and I just wanted to kind of bring it out and, and, and do this again what i had done and what we 're going to do over these next few weeks is each week i 'm going to pick a Christmas carol and i 'm going to share a little bit about the history of where it came from, who wrote it, what the real meaning is behind it, or uh, you know what what a little bit of the historical background is and so this week, we're going to kick it off with one of the all time favorite Christmas carols, Joy to the World. Joy to the World. And I don't know about you guys, but I, I'm ready for Christmas music. I'm ready for Christmas carols. Uh, I know here in a few weeks, we're just going to be tired of them and ready to move on, but uh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready for Christmas music to fill our home. So, Joy to the World, a little history about. Uh, this really popular Christmas carol. It was written by Isaac Watts, who was a pastor, uh, writer, and, and hymn writer. Uh, and he wrote this, uh, this hymn. It was originally written as a hymn in 1719, so a long time ago. Um, in fact, Watts wrote over 750 hymns. And a couple of the most notable ones that you might recognize are uh, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, And, uh, and alas, and did my savior bleed Two very, very popular, very well-known hymns. Uh, it was put to music. So it was written as a poem, not necessarily as a, as a hymn or as a song. Uh, he wrote joy to the world as a poem, but then it was put to music in 1839. So over a hundred years later, it was put to music by a man named uh, Lowell Mason, uh, who himself composed over 1600 hymns uh, and and hymn tunes. Um, In fact, Lowell Mason is the one who is really attributed with bringing music into school. So if you ever played an instrument in school or in band, you have Lowell Mason to thank for that. And he based the melody for Joy to the World on Handel's Messiah, another well-known classical piece of music. Joy to the World is the second most popular Christmas carol of all time. But here's the crazy thing about it. It's not a Christmas carol. At least it was not initially written as a Christmas carol. That was not Watts' intent. In fact, Watts wrote Joy to the World uh, in anticipation of the second coming of Jesus. It was, it was written with a focus on when Jesus would return um, and so listen to, listen to some of the words that he writes uh, in, in, you know, in light of this uh, revelation, in, in, in light of this information. He says, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. And in some of the other verses, he says, joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Uh, he says, no more let sin and sorrows grow. He says he rules the world with truth and grace. And so Watts, of course, looking towards the second coming of Jesus. But isn't that amazing? The second most popular Christmas carol of all time actually isn't a Christmas carol. It was not written as a Christmas Christmas carol. So so here's a question. Is it appropriate to sing a Christmas? Absolutely. Absolutely. See, because there would be no hope of a second coming of Jesus if there wasn't the first coming. If he hadn't come the first time, we wouldn't be looking forward to. And in fact, so much of what Watts was looking forward to and and pointing towards with the second coming of Jesus are things that were ushered in when Jesus actually came the first time born in Bethlehem as a baby to Joseph and Mary the ushering in of God's kingdom. In fact, Jesus would later pray these words as he, he uh, recited the Lord's prayer, taught the disciples to pray. He, he, when praying to the Father, he said, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And these aspects of what the kingdom of God is, what heaven is, that there's no more tears, no more pain, no more suffering, that we're in the presence of God, really were realized when Jesus came to earth the first time, that God brought his kingdom with him in that baby, in the baby Jesus, that, that God's kingdom was f- fully realized here on earth, that we have access to the kingdom of God while we're still here on earth. We realize that one day Jesus will return, and uh, he will return as the conquering king. He will return as the, the ruler of this world, and there will just be a finality to that, and, uh, and we will rejoice on that day. With that in mind, I want us to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you have your Bibles with you, you can turn there. Uh, the words will also be on the screen for you today. 2 Corinthians 5, this is a passage I was in our Lectio reading for this this last week, and and, in light of even that picture, and in light of joy to the world and this idea that Jesus has come that he 's ushered in this kingdom, and that there 's this new this new life there 's this new kingdom that 's available that we have access to something that we didn 't have access to before and and that, as Watts wrote, there is joy that that comes into that 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 in the person of Jesus, joy came into the world well paul writes this letter to the church in corinth and in here it's his second letter to the church in corinth and he's writing here in chapter 5 about the death and the resurrection and the life that's available in jesus christ the work that jesus did in his earthly ministry as he went to the cross and it's an amazing portion of scripture and i don't have time to read the whole chapter and i encourage you if you've not read uh, the Lectio this week. If you've not checked that out, please check out the Lectio Divina uh, God is Journal. You can still download that uh, at thriveglendora.org, and we're reading through that together each week. Check week. Check it out on uh, social media as well. We're posting the verses there as well. So Paul here, focusing on the work that Jesus did, and, and the fact that he died for all. And in fact, in verse 14, he says that, that Jesus died for all. And it's that Christ's love compels us. That Paul, the Apostle Paul, was compelled by the love of Jesus. And in the same way that we need to be compelled by the love of Jesus. Because when we when we pull back, when we zoom back a little bit and zoom out, what well, we realize, it was that God's love compelled Jesus to come to earth. John three sixteen tells us that for God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, and that Jesus came to earth through because He was compelled by this love of God. So let's take a look at Second Corinthians five sixteen through twenty one, and uh, this is this is what it says. So from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way, we no longer uh, we no longer do so. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us this ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us Of God, this is a ch- a passage of Scripture that is chock full of depth and meaning and insight, and and there's a dynamic to it that I I really want us to catch today that we that there's a movement to this there's a as again that word compel that. That, that Paul used is such a good word. There's something that's driving forward in this passage, and I want us to, to catch that a little bit today. So I want to start uh, by unpacking this idea. It says, says here, Paul writes, that you have been reconciled to God. You have been reconciled to God. I mean, actually, I want to pause there for a second. I want to touch on verse 16 real quick. Paul starts out by saying this, from now on we regard no one from a worldly point of view. We used to regard Christ this way, but we do so no longer. It's an important uh, key to the rest of this passage. Paul's highlighting the fact that when we as citizens of this world as as people who live on this planet that we can see things through a worldly point of view we can see things uh, through the lens of this world that we live in that the, the tangible that what we would even define as reality uh, and and things that we can test and th- things that we can experience and people that we can engage with and and paul is trying to re- reframe the conversation here, of, cor- of course, Corinth is, uh, would have been in what is now Greece in that part of the world where uh, there was just a lot of thinking a very heady and very uh, engaged in, in understanding the world around them. And Paul is challenging his audience, challenging the church to say, stop looking at people through a worldly point of view. We've been invited to see things through a kingdom perspective that is different to the world that we live in. It's not the same as as just being able to deduce and and understand or make sense of things, and that, that sense-making drive in us. We want things to make sense, even in the midst of 2020. Why? This doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense to my heart. It doesn't make sense to my mind. We like things to make sense, and so what we do is we bring that into our relationships. It's It's part of the way, the frame through which we see the people in our lives, and it was the same for the people in corinth and paul says don't don't look at people through a worldly perspective. We need to shift our perspective and have a different perspective, a different vision of who people are and and it 's true for Jesus. he says that when Jesus first came, that people saw him through a worldly perspective, and they expected him to move and 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 act, and perform, and, and and save them in a particular way, but the work that Jesus did didn't look like what people expected, and so that worldly expectation got shifted, and Jesus, quite frankly, he he blew their minds, he, he totally exceeded any expectations they would have had in what he did, and what he brought in regard to new life, and that's what Paul then goes on to talk about. He says that you 've been reconciled to God, that you were uh, you were separated from God. in fact, this isn 't the focal point of Christmas. This is maybe not a, a usual passage to preach out of during a christmas season but but really, this is the focal point this is the the, the crux this is the the whole uh, the whole idea behind Christmas is this. It's this, that if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. But you cannot be in Christ. You cannot receive him. You cannot be in a relationship with him. You cannot ask him to be your Lord and your Savior and your King if he had not first come into earth, if he had not been born as a baby just over 2,000 years ago. And because of this, as Paul says, all this is from God. All this, all of this life, all of this new reality is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. God reconciled us to himself through Jesus. See, Jesus was born into this world with the mission of reconciling us to God. And we've been talking about God's mission, the mission of God, Missio Dei, God's work in the world. And the fact that God has already been working. He, he's been working all along. He never stopped working. And he's had this plan that he has been working and that Jesus was the, the tipping point in that plan, that Jesus would come on mission from God to reconcile us. You see, we were lost. We were lost. We were stuck in our sin. The Bible tells us that we were enemies of God, that there was broken relationship. We we no longer had relationship between us and God. But Jesus came and he changed all of it. The birth of Jesus into this world, the fact that he stepped out of heaven and he was born into this world was the turning point for us. As we saw in the video just before the the message, it said that Emmanuel, God with us. What we need is God with us. What we need is a reminder that God is with us. So what's the result of this? What's the result of Jesus being born, God coming into this world, Emmanuel, God with us? Well, the result, as Paul says, is you are a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come, that you're not the same person, you're not in the same place, and the, and the old reality is no longer the present reality. The old reality is that there was a separation between you and God, and that in, in that separation, in that, in that brokenness, that we had no hope, there was no peace, there was no joy, there was nothing to look forward to, but because Jesus has come, he has made us a new creation, He has transformed our lives he's done something new in our lives god has made you new he has restored you i don't know about you but every now and again on on uh social media i'll be scrolling along or looking at some videos and and you come across these videos of people restoring old things, and I'll, I'll just get sucked into them. I love watching these these restoration videos, and it can be silly things like, you know, someone finds a rusted old toaster, and they take it apart, and they rebuild it. There's a really great YouTube channel, a guy finds classic old toys, old metal toys, and, and meticulously just restores them, and and, and and takes each part piece apart, and, and makes it like it was new, and it's just fun to watch. There's something really satisfying about that, but I think it appeals to something in us. Maybe you're HGTV fan, and you love to see uh, houses get, get remodeled and fixed up and, and made better. Uh, maybe you're into the cars. You want to see cars get restored or what, whatever that would be. I think there's something that appeals to us because it's really what God has done with us. He's taken the old, the old, the broken The the not functional, the kind of decrepit, and he's made us new. He's made us a new creation. He's restored us and made us whole. Paul goes on to say this, and this is such a key point for us to understand. He says, he no longer counts our sin against us. That God no longer counts your sin against you. This is so key for us. The old is gone, the new is here. God has reconciled us, and He has and He no longer counts people's sin against them. So powerful church, So powerful. Some of you need to hear that t- today. I need to hear that today. Because I think sometimes we get stuck in that place again where we think, oh, God is maybe punishing me, God is holding this against me, or God doesn't love me, or God can't love me because of my sin. But because Jesus was born, because Jesus came into this world, because he lived the life that he did and he died on the cross, it says that God no longer holds our sin against us. This is a part of this new life, being a new creation, And maybe that's a stuck point for you. Maybe that's a point of difficulty in your walk with Jesus. I want to encourage you this week. God does not hold your sin against you. Well, Pastor Barry, what about the sin I just committed today? I I messed up today. God doesn't hold it against you. What about last week? God doesn't hold it against you. What about tomorrow and next week? because I'm pretty sure I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make a mistake. God says, I do not hold that sin against you. I do not count it against you. Is there a place and a need for repentance and walking in righteousness? Absolutely. But you are a work in progress, and God knows that, and that he is in the process of restoring and renewing you each day. It's not permission, as Paul says to the Romans, that we can just keep on sinning. Not at all. But we understand that God's grace is sufficient. His grace allows us to be in this place of rest to know this, that you, if you are in Christ, are reconciled to God and he does not hold your sin against you. He does not count it against you. In fact, the Bible says that there's an accuser, Satan, who brings those accusations before the father and says, hey, did you see? Did you see what they did? Did you see what he did? Did you see what she did? And Jesus is there as a reminder at the right hand of the Father, bearing those scars in his hands and his feet and on his side, as a reminder to say, No, Father, I took that sin at the cross. I took that upon myself when I went to earth. When I went on when I was dispatched on that mission to go and seek and save the lost, that I took that sin on myself and it no longer counts. And all of that, the teeth, all of the the that the enemy would have, all of those accusations just fall to the ground. God does not count your sin against you, church. That is something to celebrate today. But there's another thing that Paul talks about here that's so key. We've been given this an amazing gift that we are new creations in Christ. But then he goes on to say this. You have been given this ministry of reconciliation. I want to read verses 18 through 20 again, and and I want us to to really hear what he's saying here. So he says, all this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ, amen, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us, to you and to me, this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God, be reconciled to God. So Jesus is born into this world. And he brings with him as he as he steps into this reality into into time and space as he steps out of eternity where he had existed for all time present at creation the one who part of the Trinity part of the Godhead who had moved throughout he was there when and a part of the process when when God spoke the world into existence he now steps into his creation and brings new life brings reconciliation and then paul reminds us of this fact that not only that jesus did jesus come on mission to save us he now invites us to participate in that ministry of reconciliation wow what an amazing invitation and what an amazing responsibility catch the magnitude of this church family The mission and ministry that became the driving force or was the driving force behind God being born into this world as a baby. The mission and ministry that caused Jesus to live a sinless life, to minister to the broken and the outcast, to perform miracles under the power of the Holy Spirit. The the mission and the ministry that drove him to challenge the status quo, that drove him to, to die a sacrificial and painful death on the cross the mission and ministry that caused him to be raised back to life has now been entrusted to you. It's now being given to you and to me. Paul says it this way. He says that you are ambassadors. We are therefore Christ's ambassador. What is an ambassador? An ambassador is someone who is sent from one nation to another as a representative, as an emissary, and when and when they go to that place and they establish a consulate they establish an embassy it's it's regarded it's widely regarded and understood that the place where the ambassador is the place where that ambassador lives is that 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 ground is actually uh, is part of the nation that they represent that when you step onto the 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 campus or into the property of a US embassy in another nation it is as if you were stepping into your home nation. So if you're in France and you go to the the embassy in France, you step onto that, that embassy, you are now in the United States of America. Think about what Paul is saying here, that God has called us to be Christ's ambassadors and he has established us in the places that we live to bring God's kingdom and his love and the message of reconciliation into a world that that is really, though for those who do not know Christ, are still enemies of God. Now, does God hate them? Not at all. God loves every person and his desire is that everyone would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so what he does is he strategically sends us into the world in the same way that God strategically sent Jesus at just the right time into the world to live the life that he did. He sends us, he dispatches us, he, 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 he sends us from his own heart with this, with this mission and this purpose to go and reach the world. You are an ambassador of Christ. See, our nationality is an important part of who we are. Our nationality so often, uh, it really de- determines our culture uh, our heritage, it's what we look back to. And even for people that might be citizens of one nation, still look back to their cultural heritage. It might be in another nation or multiple other countries. It's that way in my family. It might be that way in your family. In fact, it, it even affects food. And we were talking earlier about ham, turkey, or roast beef. A lot of those things really are determined by where we come from or what our heritage is, is and what our nationality is. What Paul is saying here is that part of this new life in Christ is that we are now citizens of, of the kingdom of God. That we, our citizenship isn't here on earth. Remember that we don't see people through a worldly point of view. That includes ourselves. That we are now citizens of a kingdom that is much bigger than the country that we live in. And this kingdom of heaven has a culture It has a language. It has customs that are outlined for us in Scripture where God says, this is how my people are to live. This is how we're to function in the world. That that our culture is about love and grace. It is to emulate the life of Jesus and to love people the way that he did. You now, as a citizen of the kingdom, have been sent into this world as an ambassador. So think about this. Joy to the world. Let's go back to the... To this Christmas carol. Joy to the world. Jesus has come into the world and he will return for his bride. And in this in between time, between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus, is the strategic moment in which we live where we've been called to be God's ambassadors and to bring this ministry of reconciliation. This ministry of reconciliation that we would see people reconciled to God and then we would see people reconcile to each other. I understand that Christmas so often for people is, I mean, for, for many, it, it's a celebratory time of the year. It's a festive time of the year. But Christmas can also be a reminder of broken relationships. It's a time when broken or, or distance relationships can really have a deep impact, that that loss is felt during the holidays. That pain, that, that hurt that we would feel As Paul says, the love of God should compel us to say, what can we do to be reconciled? What can we do? But think about it in terms of this. God desires for his children to be reconciled to him. God desires that every son, every daughter would be reconciled to him, that every person would call on the name of Jesus and be saved. And in order to accomplish that, He sent us into the world. He said to us, I'm I'm calling you to go, to bring this reconciliation, this ministry of reconciliation. Paul says this, that we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. This is a part of our mission. So as we come into this Christmas season, as we celebrate God becoming flesh, Emmanuel, God with us, it is so good for us to celebrate that because there are so many good things our lives are defined by that. But then what's important for us to remember, that along with the invitation to worship God and, and to be in relationship with Him, there's this charge that's given to us, that we would be ministers, ambassadors, that would bring the ministry of reconciliation to the world and in the same way that Jesus came to the world in the same way that Jesus was on mission from God that he had this purpose that our lives have this purpose that we're called to be ambassadors as God makes his appeal through us to the world so remember as we celebrate you have been called to bring joy to the world yes Jesus brought joy and will bring joy, but we get to participate in that. So as you sing joy to the world, that you're you're a participant in that, not just a recipient. You get to bring that into your community. My question for you this week as we close, and each week I wanna have a, a closing question that you would just take a few minutes at the end of the service to sit sit in your home wherever you're watching. And if you're with a group of people, with your family, just take a few minutes to to think about this question the question for this week would be this what does it look like for me to be an ambassador in my community what does it look like for me to be an ambassador in my community discuss that talk about it think about just even practical ways and uh, and maybe even think about people in your community that you can go out of your way uh, out of your way to love this christmas Um, and, and just finding creative ways to to bless the people in your community. I want to invite you, if you've never said yes to Jesus, if you're watching this message today and you've never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've not made that decision and and become what Paul says in new creation, I want to give you that opportunity today. And and it's just simply praying this prayer. Would you pray this prayer with me and pray it out loud with your mouth, believe it in your heart. Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for coming and dying on the cross for my sin. I choose today to follow you. I repent of my sin and I say yes to you. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for reconciling me to your Father in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, we'd love to know. Uh, We'd love to follow up with you and just provide some resources for you. You can email us at at, uh, mail at thriveglendora.org or you can uh, click on the connect card button uh, right above or in the chat section and just let us know if you prayed that prayer. Church family, I'm going to close with prayer for all of us today and then we'll put that question up on the screen. So Father, I thank you that we've been entrusted with this Ministry of Reconciliation Thank you, God, that you've called us to be ministers, to be ambassadors in our community, in the place where we live. But, Lord, more than that, I thank you that we the reason that we can do that, the reason that we can follow you in that way, is because you first loved us. That, Jesus, you came into this world, That that Emmanuel, God with us, you came into this world and you rescued us. You died on the cross for us. You were raised again. And you've brought us into new life, that we are a new creation. God, I thank you that you do not count our sin against us. Now we have freedom and new life in you. I pray that we celebrate that over and over and over again this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, love you. It's good to be with you today. Take a few minutes to check out this question. Spend some time. Talk about it. We look forward to seeing you next week. And don't forget to send in your videos. We'd love to see you. God bless you.